Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Richard Harris. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Richard Harris, and it is really great to have you with us today. We've got a super program lined up for you this afternoon. My special guest today, uh, you are going to love, and I'm going to introduce him uh, in just a second. Uh, right off the top here, though, I wanted to mention a couple things to you guys. Uh, the first is that the Healing is Here conference is taking place this week here on the campus of Karis Bible College. Uh, it uh, starts tomorrow, and there is a uh, fantastic lineup of ministers for this, including Andrew Womack and many others. So uh, if, if you have time and you can do it, you need to make it out for Healing is Here. It's going to be a miracle-filled week. Also, coming up September 7th, 8th, and 9th is the annual Truth and Liberty Conference. Uh, we always schedule this conference as close as we can to the 9-11 Memorial, and uh, this year is going to be fantastic. Andrew uh, David Barton is going to be ministering. Uh, Congressman Doug Lamb You'll hear from him as well as Alex McFarland, one of my co-hosts here on Truth and Liberty, uh, Chad Connolly, who I think uh, most of our viewers are getting to know, and then Pastor Lucas Miles, Janet Porter, Muhammad Faridi, and then I'll bring, be bringing up the, the rear there uh, as a speaker at the conference. Now, this is an event you will not want to miss. We've got three special workshops planned for you on various subjects that are all practical, designed to equip you to be uh, salt and light in the public square, including how, how do parents fight the woke agenda in schools? How can, a, how can the church um, change the culture in not just nationally, but in the local community? We've got an amazing pastor who's going to come in and uh, present on that issue because he's getting the job done in his local community. I want you guys to hear from him. And then also how to help women and unborn children in a post-Roe world. You know, it's one thing to stand outside a courthouse and pick it. It's another thing to reach your hands out and be, uh, show the love of God uh, to those who are hurting and in need. And we're also going to have a brand new dramatic performance at this year's conference. This is the premier performance of a uh, stage uh, show called um, overturned, written by Elizabeth and Robert Murin. This is going to commemorate the reversal of Roe versus Wade. How many of you want to be there to see that? It is going to be awesome, I promise you. So you want to make it out to this year's Truth and Liberty Conference. Just go to our website at truthandliberty.net and register today. It's a free event. If you want lunch on campus, you'll have to pay for that. Otherwise, it's free of charge, and we would love to have you with us. All right, guys. Well, our guest today is Pastor Paul Blair. Uh, Paul is a former all-star all -star college football player, happens to be at my alma mater, Oklahoma State University, and uh, we were just reminiscing a little bit before we got on the air. He played at the same time I went to college. I didn't play football, but he certainly did. And then... Uh, uh, also, he went on to pl play in the NFL for a few years for the Chicago Bears. But the reason I've got him on our show today is because he is a patriot pastor, truly a, a member of the Black Robe Regiment. Paul uh, is the one of the founders of Reclaiming America for, America for Christ uh, and leads now leads Liberty Pastors Network and Liberty Pastor Training Camps. And I want you guys to hear all about it. 
Uh, Pastor Paul, I'm really glad you're on the show today. Thanks for joining me. Richard, it is my pleasure, and it always is a joy to be on somewhere with a fellow Christian, and it's an even, uh, it's also a joy to be on with a fellow uh, Oklahoma State alum, so uh, I didn't realize we had that connection until we were talking a few minutes ago, but it's my pleasure to be with you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Well, go Pokes, right? Okay. Well, <laughs> well Paul, um, you played uh, college ball. Why don't we lead off with that just a little bit? And then you went into the NFL. But um, I'm, I understand uh, that during those years, maybe maybe your walk with the Lord wasn't as close as it is now. Can you just take a few minutes and share with our, our audience a little about your journey? Well, Richard, my testimony is probably pretty similar to a lot in our listening audience, but I was uh, the uh, the last of three sons, and there was about 10 years between me and my next oldest brother, so I actually didn't feel realize until about 10 years ago that I was an accident. I always thought that mom and dad had planned on me, but uh, anyway, uh, I was the youngest of three. I grew up in a, in, a, in a very wonderful, loving, but somewhat sheltered, you know, Baptist home. Uh, my father was a bivocational pastor. He made his living as an architect, but pastored smaller uh, Baptist churches or non-denominational churches that, that really couldn't uh, afford to support a full-time minister. So I spent much of my younger years from about six on uh, in churches that ran somewhere between 35 and 70 on Sundays. But I grew up in a very solid uh, biblical background. Uh, I was come somewhat of a late bloomer athletically. Uh, you know, I went through, like so many do in those early teen years, a little bit of an awkward stage going from, uh, you know, 14 to 17, but really blossomed as a senior and, and only started one year of high school football. But I was a big kid and uh, garnered a lot of interest from colleges. I uh, wound up receiving a scholarship offer to play at my father's alma mater, which is Oklahoma State. And that's where I wanted to go. Actually, Jimmy Johnson was the head coach when I was recruited to play there and signed there in 1981. And it was a blessing. But also uh, in those days, you know, Richard, it was unusual for a freshman to make the varsity football team. I mean, Nebraska was one of the leading programs in the country. And their model was to bring a kid on, redshirt him, have him spend three years in the weight room with the hopes of, of starting his junior and senior year. Uh, but I... I like I said, I'd blossomed. I was a pretty good sized kid and, and wound up making the true var the varsity as a true freshman. And uh, that was a blessing, but it was also, um, I probably wasn't prepared for it. Uh, I wasn't mature enough for it uh, because I was fresh away from home, first time to really be away from home. And all of a sudden, my peer group was a bunch of uh, 20 and 21 year old young men that had been in college for three or four years, and I was 18. And uh, wound up discovering girls and bars and a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have discovered. And uh, for the five years of my stay at Oklahoma State, wound up being injured my freshman year. So I got that year over as a, as a hardship ruling. Uh, but over five years at Oklahoma State, my first three years in the NFL, I uh, certainly knew everything here and called myself a Christian. I knew new doctrine, but uh, was, you know, uh, you know, Bible says that sin is fun for the season or for a season. And I found it to be fun for a season and wound up running uh, down a path that I shouldn't have been going down. And, but uh, praise the Lord. After my third year with the bears, I was at home and out of respect from my father on a Sunday evening. I happened to be in church, which of course I had no desire to be there, but I was there anyway. 
But uh, I remember the thought came across my mind that, you know, Paul, you call yourself a Christian, but there really isn't any evidence that would prove that you were following Christ. So I walked the aisle that night and small church again, probably 35 people in the seats and as a, as an NFL football player, but I went down and got on my knees and, and uh, prayed with my, my preacher father. And I made sure that I was committed to Christ and uh, was baptized the following week. And Quite frankly, now for the next, uh, what, 35 years, uh, I've been following the Lord. So uh, I made a, a sincere commitment that day at the age of, of uh, almost 26. And uh, like I was joking with you earlier, the Lord got even with me for my honoriness uh, because he called me to ministry. So, uh, but anyway, that that's kind of a brief of my testimony. Wow, that is, uh, that awesome. that's awesome. What, what that must have been like to actually go to the altar and your dad being the minister, that must've been quite an experience for him as well as for you. Well, my father's been in heaven. My dad had a stroke and that's one of the things that brought me into where I'm at now, but dad died the day after 9-11. I tell you what, he was a great man. And uh, that was back in the days before internet and cell phones and all those things. And my father again was a, a fairly successful businessman. And, and I know from time to time, he would hear stories about my escapades. And as a Baptist minister, you know, he loved me and just prayed for me and patiently tried to, tried to, tried to coax me as best he could when you're dealing with a, you know, basically a full grown man, which I was, uh, but he, he prayerfully waited for my repentance and, and uh, thank God for mom and dad's many prayers as the Lord finally got my attention. Yeah, amen. Well, uh, so so you were kind of like uh, me and a lot of people that had a phase where you you yeah. had professed Christ, but if you were on trial for your Christianity, there probably wouldn't have been enough evidence to convict you. Is that about it? <laughs> no doubt. You know, and quite frankly, I think there's a lot of prodigals that can tell a similar story in America. And, and one of the reasons, because in America, Christianity hasn't cost us anything. I mean, mm -hmm. much of Christian history, when you profess to be a follower of Christ, there was a price attached. You know, you may yeah. lose opportunities. You you may even have your life threatened or, or be incarcerated. But in America, you know, especially, you know, growing up in the 60s and in the 70s, you know, it was expected. And in Oklahoma, it was expected. You know, everybody went to church. You know, when I was in elementary school, I think every, I, I don't know, there was I don't know of anybody in my class that was divorced. Everybody had normal, you know, fa uh, you, know you, you lived with your, your actual uh, biological father and biological mother, and you had a traditional family, and everybody's a member of a church, whether they were really that devoted or not, but that was the norm. So I think mm -hmm. that created an environment that uh, allowed so many of us to have that, that typical prodigal son story. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned that. I was uh, just on a phone call earlier this morning with some pastors from Pakistan, and they're literally yep. just going house to house, winning families yep. to Christ somewhat yep. somewhat in secret, you know, and then they have prayer yep. meetings on Zoom and, and just building the church sort of um, New Testament style, you know, uh, one person at a time. And you know, it kind of it kind of makes me, uh, and and I want to get into this later in the show, Paul. But is is whether the way that we're doing church here in America today, is it working? Is it biblical? Um, you, I think, I think guys like you um, who come are called into the ministry a little bit later in life have the benefit 
of having some real-world experience, right? And, uh, you know, now yours was in the, the field of sports, but sports is no less of a business than uh, anything else. But I wanted to just kind of shift maybe a little bit and, and ask you, um, well, first, before I go further, let me let you plug. Are, do you have a podcast or a radio show or anything like that where people can hear you? Yeah, we're on radio in Oklahoma and Florida, and we have a podcast. You you go to our, our I'll tell you what, uh, go to libertypastors.com or libertypastors.org. That's, uh, of course, this ministry where we are working to train pastors to think biblically in every area of life, including the realm of civil government. Uh, but we have links there prominently featured. You can go to my personal website where you got photos and videos uh, back in my uh, athletic days. And then you've got uh, our church website and other ministries, which we are affiliated with. So I just uh, recommend anybody go to libertypastors.com or libertypastors.org, and you can find my podcast and, and, and everything that we're involved in there. Well, uh, that's great. And folks, let me remind you that if you've got questions today for uh, Pastor Paul or for me, please call in uh, 719-619-2341. The uh, phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you today. And I'm, I'm actually very excited to talk about Paul's ministry uh, here. Now, Paul, you're the pastor of Fairview Baptist in, uh, in Edmond, Oklahoma, but also Liberty Church in Orlando. Uh, how do you pastor two churches, six, uh, half a continent apart? You know, how do you do that? Well, it, it's difficult. But at one time prior to COVID, Cindy and I actually had a, um, a condominium down in Orlando because with because of Liberty Pastors and the idea of teaching pastors to think biblically in areas of life where we've been taught not to think biblically. And, mm -hmm. and as contradictory as that statement sounds, that's how we've lived in America. We've truly... We have compartmentalized Christianity in America, where we have our, our secular lives, which we can't talk about in church. Then we have our spiritual lives, and that box is getting smaller and smaller. And then the secular box is getting larger and larger, more and more topics we can't talk about in church. Well, that's nonsense. You know, when you think about it, we're supposed to glorify God in everything that we do. So that was the basis of these Liberty Pastors training camps. Florida is a key state. It was just God's providence. We had some friends that were successful business owners in the state of Florida that wanted us to really begin this work down there. And, and logically, looking at a political map, that made sense to me. Uh, spiritually, this was something that I'd wanted to do for years, and it just took money to do. And the door was opening in Florida. So we just decided, well, the Lord must be opening this door. At least I was under the impression that he was. Uh, but while we were spending so much time in Florida, rather than taking Sundays off, we started a church plant down there. So right now, uh, I, you know, I still get down there quite a bit, but there was a year there where Cindy and I were actually living in Florida three weeks out of every month. So they had me full time or live. I brought a dear friend of mine that has been in ministry for 40 years, and we've worked together. We're very like-minded in, in many, many ways. In fact, theologically and politically, we're almost carbon copies. A, a man by the name of Dan Fisher. Dan came over yes. and joined us at Fairview, came on staff with us. So uh, I was able to be in Florida a lot, and our church didn't suffer. Uh, I went to Wednesday night Bible class uh, on video, and it would be played in Edmond, and of course, I would do it there in Orlando. 
and then I would be back here live. And then after COVID, everything shut down, and we just we let we left the condominium, we packed everything we had in the car, and we drove back home. And we've been here full time ever since. And, and right now, we do video messages uh, back in Orlando, and I do get down there when I can. I was just down there this last month, so uh, it's not as often as they would like. Uh, but I, we are live down there quite a bit. But uh, the Sundays where we aren't live down there, well, then we have a video. But live music and live everything else, just the just the pastors on tape. Gotcha. Yeah, that that reminds me of Life Church in Oklahoma City. How yeah. they yeah. started the multi-campus yeah. thing. Um, well, so Paul, how, what is Liberty Pastors Network and Liberty Pastor Training Camps? Can you tell us about that? Well, you know, you, you you mentioned it a while ago, Richard. You talked about, uh, I don't remember whether it was on the show or when we were talking prior. But, you know, we, we the number of people in America that are identifying as Christian continues to drop. And I, I believe that part of that is because our testimony or the relevance of Christians is becoming less and less noticeable. I mean, there's nothing unique. Uh, there's nothing that's attractive. Most Christians, we, we have conformed Christianity to fit the lost world. And well, if that's the case, then why do I want to go to church and mess up my Sundays? Uh, but the reality is, in America, we have, as I mentioned a little while ago, we have compartmentalized our faith. And we have a larger and larger box of topics that we can't talk about in church. Most recently, you know, we've added abortion to that. That's become a political issue rather than a spiritual issue. We've added uh, homosexuality to that and this transgender nonsense to that. We've said, oh, that's a political issue, and, and, and we can no longer talk about that in church. Well, that's baloney. You know, the it was the Greeks that as the after the first century, when the apostles all died off, and as the next generation of Christian fathers, so to speak, were Greek in their background, the idea of a Gnostic worldview began to invade and permeate the church. Of course, the Gnostics believed that the material world was uh, was carnal and irredeemable. The only thing that you needed to worry about in church was, was spirituality. So they compartmentalized life. And, and we basically adopt that into American Christianity. But when you look at the Hebraic roots of Christianity, of course, Christianity was born out of a Jewish worldview. At Pentecost, 100% of the believers were Jewish. Jesus was a Jew. The apostles were Jews. But the Jewish worldview was whatever you do, glorify God. As the apostle Paul said, don't you know you've been purchased with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. So the idea that we can compartmentalize our lives into our secular lives and our spiritual lives is non-biblical. But most pastors have been taught to think that way. And I think as much as anything, it's because of it's comfortable. You can avoid mm -hmm. controversial subject matter. Well, how's that working out for us? You know, now right. you send your kid to school and they're not being taught the alphabet anymore. They're not being taught mathematics. They're being taught to question their gender identity. Perhaps God made a mistake and you're really a little girl trapped in a little boy's body. Well, that's nonsense. And we as Christians need to become 24-7 Christians, not just I go to church on Sunday Christians. And that's what Liberty Pastors is all about. We we introduce pastors to start thinking biblically in every area of life. And quite frankly, we've had pastors that have come to our camps, and they've said such things as, you've removed the scales from my eyes. You've transformed my ministry. 
And that's a good thing. That's what we want them to do. We want them to start reading the Bible differently. It's amazing how we have been taught to read the Bible and read over practical verses that deal with how to handle money or charity or 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 civil government, for, for example. Mm-hmm. And we we have fallen into this trap of just talking about prayer and, and faith and things of that nature. Well, the Bible doesn't just tell us how to get to heaven, how to come to know Jesus, who he is as Lord and Savior. But the Bible also gives us a lot of instruction on how now we're supposed to live. You know, one of these days we get to heaven, we'll be, you know, when we receive glorified bodies and we'll just do it instinctively and naturally. But right now we have to be disciplined to be disciples of Jesus and to glorify God in everything that we do. So that's really what Liberty Pastors Camps is about. We start, and you mentioned Alex McFarland a while ago. Alex has, has taught at two of our camps. Alex is a dear friend, and I love Alex. Apologetics, I think, is is critical to the day and age in which we live. The facts of our faith. You know, my Christianity is not based upon meeting some feeling or emotion. My faith in Christ is based upon the factual evidence that the tomb was empty. Therefore, mm-hmm. Jesus is the Lord. Now, what am yeah. I going to do? I can either say, I don't care, or I can fall to my knees as Thomas did and, and cry out, my Lord and my God. So yeah. we're teaching pastors to think biblically in areas of their life, including the realms of economics and civil government, which are two that we primarily focus on on our 20-hour continuing education pastors camps. And then, of course, we in most situations, we see pastors that now are, well, once you've removed this, this roadblock, they start looking at, at, at biblical precepts for every area of life. Well, yeah, that sounds so uh, like it's so desperately needed. Um, you've actually got a, a meeting coming up, I think, this month, right? Can you tell the viewers yes. about that? And is it, tell well, us, Richard, is it we, too late we, to we, register for that? No, 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 no. We're we're good. We 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 do. Here's what our meetings are designed like. We talked about my football all ago. I, I look at them as kind of like recruiting trips. You know, when I was being recruited to play college football, they would fly me into town, and I would stay at. They put you up in a really nice hotel and try to convince you that you needed to sign to play football with you know Oklahoma State or whatever school it happened to be. Well, what we do is we invite pastors to get away from their office. You can't teach this information to a pastor with a Zoom call because our attention spans are too short. We all have ADHD to a certain degree in this cell phone age in which we live in. And it's too easy to be distracted when you're sitting in your office at church and people knocking on the door, your secretary wanting to see you. So we get pastors away from the office and we want them to have their pastor or their wives with them. This is not a situation where... uh, we, we want the, the wife or their spouse to go shopping or something else. If they're going to do something that could possibly make their ministry life a tad bit uncomfortable, might personally, uh, might, might cause them to enter into controversy, then their spouse better be on board 100% with them. Yeah. And, and we want it to be a small enough group to where they can get to know our speakers and develop personal relationships with us and our experts. You know, you you mentioned David Barton. David's been a good friend for many, many years. And I know he works extensively now at Keras. I'm so happy about what's going on there. 
But, you know, it, it, it's not just where you attend a big function and you're one of 2,000 sitting in an arena and the celebrity speaker is up on stage. We limit this to 100 pastors at a time with their wives. So it's a smaller group. And then we break, we have breakfast together. We have lunch together. We have dinner together. So they're able to sit down at the same table and have a conversation with Matt Staver or have a conversation with David Barton or have a, a conversation with Bob McEwen and get to know these guys personally. And that really helps with this transformation of, of their ministry. And then we spend three days, we heavily subsidize the trip, only cost the pastor $99 because they have to have a little skin in the game. A little bit. The rest of it is subsidized by generous Christian businesses like the Timothy mm -hmm. plan out of Orlando. Art Alley has been one of our primary sponsors and why this works. And over three days at a luxury hotel, we have 20 hours of their time where we literally teach them biblical principles of civil government. We teach them about the Johnson Amendment and whether it's constitutional or not. We teach them about 501c3. Uh, Matt Staver talks to them. Bob McEwen talks to them about economics and biblical principles of economics. Then we, we talk to them about current issues that we face today pertaining to like the Great Reset. And then we give them very focused, specific next steps to get them started. Uh, again, we we, want, we, get, we ask for these guys because of the heavy subsidy to come to our classes over the course of the day. Very entertaining, but very educational. And then in the evening, they have off. You know, go have a nice dinner with your spouse. You know, go out and you know see the town, whatever. Enjoy the enjoy the the beautiful resort that we stay in. But it's three days, only ninety nine bucks. Now, our next one you mentioned is actually we're working with Liberty University. It'll be at Lynchburg. So sorry, there's no luxury resorts in Lynchburg. You'll be staying at, at basically, uh, you know, Hilton Garden Inn, the hotel, but, but they're hosting us on their campus. We'll have a chance to to tour Appomattox, which was where the, uh, the, uh, the uh, treaty of the Civil War was signed. We'll be able to see their campus and lots of things to do there. But our next conference is at, in, in Lynchburg, Virginia. Then the one after that will be in a beautiful suburb of, of uh, uh, Detroit called Plymouth, uh, a lovely resort there called St. John's. And then our last one we just committed to this week will be in uh, the uh, the Hershey Hotel in uh, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. We'll, we'll be in Virginia, we'll be in Michigan, we'll be in Pennsylvania between now and Christmas. All of this information is on our website, libertypastors.com or libertypastors.org. We own both domain names, and there's still availability at all three of these conferences. So any pastor that happens to be listening, go to the website. You find all the information there and sign up and come join us, be our guest. If you are just a, a, a congregant and, and attend church, give this trip to your pastor's gift. It'll be a wonderful getaway for he and the spouse. And uh, more often than not, we have a pretty high batting average because we are nothing but biblical. We, we show them why America was designed the way it was from chapter and verse of our founding fathers. And we obviously show them what God's intention was for civil government when compared to the role of, of church government, family government, and self-government, and what the civil government is not supposed to do. So. Every one of these uh, these guys that come to our camps, I, I tell you what, Richard, we have a very high batting average and some amazing success stories. 
Well, that's uh, that's awesome. So, <clears throat> um, folks are out there watching right now. Uh, first, let me remind you guys: you're watching. This is Pastor Paul Blair, our special guest pastor of uh, Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma, uh, Liberty Church in Orlando, and also the founder of Liberty Pastor Network and Liberty Pastor Training Camps. P uh, Paul, you, you mentioned it earlier, but um, if someone's watching and they're thinking, oh my gosh, my pastor ought to go to this, what's your advice for them? How can they get their pastor there? Put together with some of your friends in your Sunday school class, their strength in numbers. Most pastors don't take this step because they're afraid they'll lose members. What we have found is most Christians are hungry for leadership, especially in the insane world that we find ourselves. So go to your pastor, take him out to lunch with two or three key families in your church and give this trip to him and his wife as a gift. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So you, I, it sounds like you do. I, I know enough about you that you, I know you do this, but do you give education in these sessions on American history and the Christian foundation and how pastors were instrumental in founding the nation? Richard, we're the only Christians in 2000 years that haven't been persecuted for their faith. That was not by accident. It was on purpose. It was the from the our, our our forefathers that landed in Plymouth Rock that escaped persecution, came to the New World, and the influence that pastors had in all the New England colonies. Matter of fact, seven, I, I know we're about out of time for this segment, but you couldn't serve in any state office in any of the original thirteen states unless you professed to be a Christian and adhere to the Protestant religion. So that was the foundation. America was different because beginning with the pilgrims and then the great Puritan migration, they literally searched the Bible for biblical principles that they would incorporate into their form of governance here in, the, in what's become these United States. Well, that's awesome. Well, we're up against a break. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Pastor Paul Blair of Liberty Pastors Network and also begin taking your calls. Paul, when we come back, I'd like to talk about how this secularization and, uh, you know, the how it's affected the church and the way pastors are, are uh, preaching and teaching and that sort of thing. But we'll be right back in about 90 seconds. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. 
Welcome back to the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Richard Harris, and I've got Pastor Paul Blair with me today as our special guest. We've been having an amazing conversation here about Liberty Pastor Network and Liberty Pastor Training Camps and how Pastor Paul is training up pastors all across America to restore to them a biblical worldview and uh, training them, uh, you know, what the Bible has to say about uh, cultural engagement and how to speak to the issues of our day. Uh, Paul, I was just asking you on the break there, how many alumni do you have out of uh, these uh, training camps? We have about 14, 1,400 pastors so far, Richard, that have completed our training. And as I said in the last segment, we intentionally, we, we have had the largest conference we had, we had one in Orlando where we had 189 pastors at it, but it was at the Gaylord Palm, so they had the room for us, but we try to keep it to 100, um, but uh, we've had about 1,400 graduate, we've got three more camps this year, so by the end of this year, we'll be at about 1,700. Well, that's fantastic. And how are pastors that go through your training camps, how are they changing their ministry after they graduate? Well, they don't compartmentalize. We, you know, we're to make disciples. You know, we're to, and, and that word disciple means a follower of Christ. You know, I mentioned in the last segment that we have become more Greek and Gnostic in how we practice Christianity. And we focus, we have a tendency in the American church to focus more on creed and reciting a certain something a certain way rather than that road to Damascus experience, which transforms every facet of our life. You know, Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is Savior, and He's Lord. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. So when you come to the realization of who Jesus is and what He's done for us, and when we, like Thomas, fall to our knees and cry out to Jesus for salvation, in the Jewish understanding, lordship was part of the deal. Quite frankly, when you look at, when you, when you actually get into the Hebrew, you realize there was not any disagreement between Paul and James. Paul and James were both devout Jews. They were emphasizing two sides of the same coin. You know, we, we come to faith in Christ, not by works, but by grace through faith in Jesus. However, faith in Christ naturally will be evidenced and obedience in a transformed life. We've separated that in America as we have adopted more of the Greek influence rather than the Hebrew influence. Mm. And so once you get into that, you realize that there's no such thing as, as this is off limits. In fact, we start our camps on opening night. I ask my I ask this question to pastors. I say, what part of your life is Jesus not the Lord over? And I'll let that settle for just a minute. Of course, that hangs in the air, and the answer is so obvious. We all in our minds go, well, he's Lord of all. And then I followed up by saying, those are the only subjects that you aren't allowed to talk about in church. Only the areas that Jesus isn't Lord over is what's off limits in our disciple making. But if Jesus is the Lord over all of our lives, then quite frankly, as an employee, my work ethic should be second to none. As an Amen. employer, my integrity and business ethic should be second to none. As a follower of Christ, my sexual behavior should be governed by the Lordship of Jesus. Uh, how I handle money. The Bible sp spends so much time talking about handling money. You know, the borrower is, is enslaved to the lender and, and all sorts of things. Talk about slothfulness and hard work. So as a Christian, I, I should have a high credit rating. 
I mean, I, I, I shouldn't have uh, I, sh I shouldn't have a credit rating in the 500s or 600s. As a Christian, and I'm, if I'm honoring the Lord, my credit rating should be 700 plus or 800. And quite frankly, in the realm of civil government, politics. Yeah. When you look at the, the, the two-party platforms, and, and this is just a simple comparison. Obviously, this is not the end all, because there are a lot of dirtbag Republicans out there. There are a lot of lion dog Republicans. I understand that. But when you compare the party platforms, and you look at the Democratic Party platform, which says they want abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy, mm -hmm. which the Bible talks about. It was just offering their children to Moloch and Baal and Ashtaroth. When the Bible, when, when, the, when the Democratic Party promotes uh, all sorts of hedonistic behavior, including LGBT lifestyle, which the Bible is very clear about, when you consider that the Democrat Party promotes Marxism, which is nothing more than a fancy name for coveting, theft, and murder, then you can't say honestly that you're following Christ in the area of politics and civil government and be a registered Democrat. It's just, it's a contradiction. You you aren't following Christ. You may you may actually be a Christian and just are uninformed, but you aren't following Christ in that area. So we should be as followers of Christ, not just following Jesus on Sunday mornings. We're supposed yeah. to be, once we've committed our hearts to Christ, then our lives should bring glory to God in everything that we do. And obviously, we're we're still descendants of Adam. We're going to make mistakes. I sin every day. We all do. But the reality is, as a follower of Christ, we should be actively evaluating our behavior day by day and trying to become more and more like Jesus day by day in every area of life. Nothing is off limits to a biblical worldview. Well, Paul, that was uh, just amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and put it in a can and sell it all over the place because that's awesome. Well, we do have someone on the line who'd like to ask a question. So I want to go to Frank in Missouri, uh, who's holding on line one. Frank, Frank, thanks for calling into the Truth and Liberty show. What's your question for Paul Blair today? Well, uh, first, I want to say I'm really grateful for this this broadcast. I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a regular on it. I'm just about six times in two weeks, <laughs> and Andrew was wowing me on one of them. So, but uh, I, I, I'm just really grateful for educated answers, biblical educated answers. I got a biblical edu. I already knew what the answer was, but to hear it from another brother. It's like that puts fire in, 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 inside of me, and and I, uh, it it just did something to me. So that hey, I want to spread this the word that, that that I already knew to to everybody else. Okay, I have a real simple question, but I just want right, to uh, lace it with with this uh, that uh, uh, you know, fifty three years ago, uh, God raised me from the dead. I was in a coma. For uh, three days that my mother sat by my bedside, didn't know whether I was going to live or die, but the same God that raised Jesus from the dead raised me from the dead. And right after that, I I, uh, I uh, experienced a, a, a Pentecostal service, an Assembly of God service for the first time in my life. And this woman got up in my face. This is the question I'm going to ask. Uh, okay. She got up in my face and said, Thus said the Lord, you're going to be an evangelist. You're going to travel from city to city, from state to state. You know, Richard Harris, uh, I've been from country to country. 
evangelize them. Praise the Lord, uh, praise the Lord and, and lead souls to Christ. So my, my question is uh, uh, about, uh, you know, and I was a mess then. It took me two years to realize what an evangelist was, let alone what an evangelist. That's a little slow, don't you know? But the question is what? Uh, what does uh, uh, an evangelist, or what is the purpose of an evangelist in the church today? Yes, sir. Well, thank you, uh, Frank, for your question. Thanks for your testimony, brother. Really appreciate that. Uh, praise God for the work he's done in your life. Paul, you want to tackle that? Well, you know, the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul was writing to the church about this church age. In Ephesians 4, verse 11. Uh, it talks about some of the gifts that, that God has given to the church or to equip the church. And of course, different denominational affiliations have a different conclusion about, you know, modern day apostles, this and that. But there are three offices there that nobody questions. And, and one of them talks about, and I believe that this applies to, to all of us, but especially to pastors, especially to pastors. It says that we're supposed to be evangelists, which, of course, is sharing the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that Jesus of Nazareth is the promised Messiah. He died for our sins, rose again for our justification, and we come to, to faith in Christ for our salvation. He's the Lamb of God. So evangelism is always a, a critical part. That, that's the, that is the new birth. But the other offices that the pastor is equipped with is one is to be a teacher, it says specifically. That means to make disciples. I'm supposed to be making disciples. That's a great commission. So I want to see people born again. Then I want to see people grow in their faith. I want to disciple them in every area of life. And then the other thing it says for the pastor to do is to, to shepherd them. That's or to pastor or to shepherd. That's to protect the flock. So those jobs all are to be done by the pastor. And let me give you an example of that shepherding. I want my congregation to be able to pay their bills. I want them to be in good health. So, for example, uh, well, that, I mentioned two different things there. During the COVID the last couple of years, we had a number of different doctors come in through our church. And we had conversations about this uh, going all the way back to May of 2020 when this was brand new, this COVID deal. Because the things that they that Anthony Fauci and others were telling didn't make sense to everything that they had said prior to that. You know, they were telling things about social distancing. I, I've, you know, I'm 60 years old. I know how to keep away from viruses. Uh, and, and social distancing has never been a part of it. Masks, nobody ever talked about masks. In fact, they said masks don't stop viruses. We were always taught that. In fact, Fauci and our attorney general, or our surgeon general said that until the end of March, where they stopped saying it, said something different. So we brought doctors in to start educating our people and as many people as wanted to come and listen as to what we should be doing to actually limit our vulnerability to this new pandemic. So that is one example, I believe, of a pastor caring for his flock. I, I, want, to, I want strong families. I want healthy bodies. I want good jobs in my congregation so people are able to pay their bills and, and raise their children. And the COVID, I think, was a perfect example. I saw there were a lot of ministers that I think popped out or, or didn't do their due diligence 
And uh, I don't know for what reason, but there were many that I admire that I was really disappointed in and how they handled this, this crisis these last three years. And now that we are where we are looking back, it turns out that they were mistaken. And those of us that uh, adhere to more traditional uh, means of, of fighting off viruses have proven to be right. Yeah. Well, Frank, I'd, I'd like to tag on to what Paul was saying there, that I think evangelist, of course, it comes from the, um, the, the same word as, um, as gospel. It's uh, in the Greek, I believe it's uh, E-U-A-N-G-E-L, which we, we also get the word eulogy from. So at a funeral, when you're saying good things about someone who's passed on, an evangelist is someone who shares the good news. It's primarily the function of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so and, uh, someone who's called to evangelism, that's their primary goal. Um, it's, it, it's the first work of the church in the earth is to evangelize. And then uh, from that, the teacher comes in and, and develops the person who has been born again into a full-blown disciple. So we need all aspects of the fivefold ministry, as it's called there in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, evangelism, pastoring, teaching. Uh, and of course, we believe in uh, all the gifts uh, not having passed away here. But I tell you, it's an essential role. And if you're called to it, praise the Lord for it. Uh, but, you know, we need to we need to focus on discipleship. I think, Paul, what do you think? I mean, we've got uh, with the megachurch movement and the seeker friendly movement in America today. I think it's been just poison yep. to the body of Christ in America. Um, it, when I look at what's going on, you can you can trace this decline of Christianity in America. Now, it goes back further. But the seeker-friendly movement began with Bill Hybels and Saddleback Community, uh, Community Church in Arizona back in the early 90s, maybe late 80s. And uh, ever since then, it seems like so many pastors and churches, they're, they're, everything about their church is geared to the unbeliever, right? Uh, and, and so church becomes, like you said, I can't remember how you put it earlier, but uh, you're catering everything to be like the world. And you go into these churches and you can't find the meat of the gospel anywhere. It's just a, a how-to sermon on whatever, how to have better finances, how to have a good marriage, maybe how to be happy and content and achieve your goals. But where's the discipleship? What do you no, think? No, that's right. And we've made, and again, I believe it's, Richard, because we have had the privilege of having freedom in the United States. Christianity has never cost us anything. But, you know, you look in the Bible. There, there is nowhere it, it talks about, hey, follow me, and life's going to really be easy. Hey, follow me, and it's going to be a really good time. Actually, quite the contrary. You know, Jesus said, hey, the world hates me. It's going to hate you, too. The uh, Bible talks about perilous times. And, you know, you think about those early Christians. To be a follower of Jesus, you know, exposed you to possibly loss of job, loss of economic opportunity. Uh, there was, it, Christianity has always come with a cost, except here in these United States for the for the last two hundred years, and, and I think that the seeker friendly movie uh, movement tried to make it too. I don't know. Tried to use rather than the facts of our sinful condition, and the facts of of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and the miraculous truth that Jesus is Lord. We wanted to make it. Uh, just, uh, uh, well, come and have a good time, more of a mentality. You know, I, I can't tell a person that the Christian life is going to be an easy life. 
I mean, we've got Fox's Book of Martyrs to refer to. Um, we've got you know Christians living in um, Muslim countries today or living in communist countries today. Sometimes Christianity comes with a cost. Of course, Jesus fills that void. Jesus is what every person needs is what every person Amen. is looking for. Amen. But but quite frankly, it, it it's not it, it, Jesus didn't promise us a rose garden here on this earth, uh, and and there's just you know, we have we have had the privilege of enjoying the blessings of a biblical foundation in these United States of America. But if we teach our kids that Christianity is all about having a good time, well, then if Christianity comes with a cost, will they still desire to follow Jesus? And I want everybody to have a good time. Sure, I do. But that's not necessarily, those aren't necessarily synonymous. Well, yeah, Paul, thank you so much for that answer. And Frank, thanks for calling in. Uh, I want to come back to this subject later if we can, but we do have another caller on the line I'd like to get to. And this is Sandy from Colorado. Uh, Sandy, thanks for calling in today. What's your question? Hey, Richard and Paul. So good to chat with you guys today. I think this is fabulous, Paul, what you are doing. I was just wondering, is the program that you have available only for lead pastors or if there's like five pastors who are on staff at a church, can any of those come to your program? If, uh, quite frankly, we want to, uh, we see the value in training youth pastors and others as well, because they all are involved in discipling. And obviously when we started this, our, our primary target is senior pastors because they're in the saddle today, so to speak. However, a lot of these associate pastors or youth pastors will one day become senior pastors. So if we have availability, and right now we do at all of these conferences, we're filling up, but we we do have availability, we would welcome anybody that's uh, involved in, in ministry. So they are welcome as well. And quite frankly, uh, a lot of these, everything that we have is available on our website. For any person that wants to go through the classes themselves, we have the videos online because we want every believer to be exposed to this. But the purpose of the, the reason these, these boot camps are so heavily subsidized is we're primarily focusing on pastors. And, and forgive me, I, I'm going to take this opportunity to mention something that, that I could have mentioned a while ago. And we talked about biblical worldview. I, I think, uh, Richard, you're friends with, with George Barna. I know that, uh, that George has quite an influence across the country. Mm-hmm. But uh, he did a, a study among believers, people that identified as as conservative, born-again, Bible-believing Christians. But rather than just answering a question saying yes or no, he actually gave them a test, and they had to answer a series of questions. And based upon how they answered these questions, George discerned that in 2001, only 6% of Americans actually have a biblical worldview. Now, you consider that even now, as pagan as we become, 65% or so of Americans identify as Christians, but only 6% have a biblical worldview, then we've got a serious disconnect there. And George did the same study with pastors. And here's what you'll find amazing. When pastors were given this test, found that two-thirds of senior pastors today don't have a biblical worldview. So we've been taught Gnosticism. We've compartmentalized our lives on purpose in our seminaries. So we're not going to get discipled in the pew 
if the man standing behind the pulpit doesn't have a 24-7 biblical worldview. So that's that is, why what we're doing it. is so important. And we're seeing, well, we're seeing a great interest in this and an explosion. So keep us in your prayers. Absolutely. Well, Paul, you're talking about it being subsidized. That's That's got to be from some donor uh, or donors that you have. And if people want to help you financially, support you financially, how can they do that? Go to our website, libertypastors.com. And again, Richard, this is a this is a non-denominational outreach. You know, with what we're doing right now, we're trying to 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 promote biblical principles of civil government, biblical principles of economic. I don't care. And we've got a lot of our graduates that are Assembly of God background. We've got a lot of our graduates that are Baptist background. Uh, quite frankly, this is not a this we we don't differ over eschatology in this. That debate can be set at another time. We don't we don't differentiate or argue over the gifts of the Spirit working in this age. That's a that's a debate for another time. What we are trying to see is a genuine revival come across America. We all we all adhere to the idea that we're saved by grace through faith plus nothing. And then the idea of being a Christian means to follow Christ in every area of life. So we we reach all denominations in this. Uh, but this ministry is actually housed under our church. This is a ministry of Fairview Baptist Church. So you can write a donation to Liberty Pastors, and that will go specifically to Liberty Pastors account and will only be spent on this ministry. However, it's a fully tax-exempt donation that you're making through Fairview Baptist Church as we reach pastors across the country and helping to uh, uh disciple them so that they can make comprehensive disciples of their of their congregants yeah absolutely well so people uh that are watching they may they may not the pastor may not want to travel to michigan or pennsylvania or whatever do you uh how do you go about choosing where you're going to hold your meetings and uh can people influence that decision at all Absolutely. And quite frankly, we, we try to hit critical states. Obviously, we've been in Oklahoma, we've been in Arkansas, and states that are close to our home here geographically. We've done a number of conferences in Texas. And of course, Texas is a very significant state in the Union. Uh, we've been in Florida, and Florida is a very significant state in the Union. We've been as far up as Idaho. Uh, quite frankly, if there is an opportunity for us to come, we will do our best to get there. Now, you can help us with, with donations online. Uh, so that does help to uh, put fuel in the engine, so to speak. Uh, but one of the things also, if you are in an area uh, that you'd like to us to come to, and if you had other businesses that then in that area that were Christian businesses that might not be able to write a check for $100,000, but they can write a check for $5,000. Well, we can, they can help us by sponsoring a pastor's breakfast or pastoring or sponsoring a lunch. And we'll promote their business there as owned by Christian businessmen. They even have the opportunity to, to address our pastors for a couple of minutes and perhaps ask the blessing over that lunch. So they can help partner with us in a number of ways that just helps our, our major sponsors um, stretch their dollars further. Well, folks, we're uh, here on Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show. My special guest today is Pastor Paul Blair. 
the founder of uh, Liberty Pastors Network and Liberty Pastor Training Camps. This has been an amazing conversation. And if you have questions for Pastor Paul or any of his ministry or really any Bible subject or current events or anything, please call in 719-619-2341. We've still got some time left in the show. We're coming up on our second break here. Uh, and so please call in. Also, I wanted to mention that if you're watching today and you need prayer, uh, Andrew Womack Ministries has a 24-7 prayer line, a room full of spirit-filled, Word of God trained prayer ministers who are standing by uh, waiting to hear from you and to help, and to uh, minister your turn to your needs. So just call 719-635-1111 for prayer. Um, so, uh, Pastor Paul, you know, you'd mentioned George Barna. What a resource he is, just a wealth of information. I recall one of the surveys that he did was um, not just on biblical worldview, but on what Christians in the pew would like for their pastor to talk about. And then he did the flip side, which is pastors, what are you willing to talk about? And, and uh, on the past, on the, the member side, um, uh, a large number of Christians, probably over a majority, were wanting their pastor to address issues of our day and time, moral issues, cultural issues, things like abortion, LGBT, racism, uh, the role of government, welfare, what, what have you. Pastors, on the other hand, acknowledge that the Bible talks about all of these things, yep. but now a confidential survey they admitted that they don't preach on these things. A small majority, or a very small minority do, but the vast majority do not. What is the thinking among pastors that causes this disconnect? And I, we ask this all the time, and I think there's lots of us out here who are trying to fix this, but it sounds like you're zeroed in over the target here. What's causing pastors to disconnect from uh, this issue? Well, Richard, if we come up to the time of a break, just wave your hands at me and I'll shut up. We can pick it up after the break. But these All pastors right. are convinced that they're going to lose members if they engage mm -hmm. in controversial subjects. And here's what we found. The exact opposite is actually true. And you were referring to George and David did a, a study and they wrote a book about 10 years ago called U-Turn. And it was very interesting. They surveyed over 400 pastors from what we would consider conservative denomination. So not United Church of Christ, not, uh, you know, some crazy nuts, but Presbyterian, Assembly of God, Baptist, more of your conservative donations. And ask these guys, does the Bible speak about current issues of our day? 90% of them said, yes, the Bible speaks about the current issues of our day. Then the same group was asked, are you willing to address those subjects from your pulpit? And again, the number was 90% that said no. And when asked why, they said, we believe it will hurt the success of our church. And then they defined success with five categories, attendance, offerings, staff, programs, and square footage of their building. Wow. Well, now, Paul, let's, let, let's most pause alarm, there. Go ahead. We'll okay, hit the pause we'll button it, there. We'll take a, a 90 second to two minute break and we're going to pick right up uh, when we get back. Call in now with your questions, 719-619-2341. We'd love to hear from you. Let's go to this break. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. 
This is a godly nation. It was founded upon godly principles and the body of Christ needs to stand up against the rewriting of history. And in order for us to do that, we're gonna have to learn true history. God is calling us to rebuild His house so that He can manifest His glory in the midst of a corrupt and pagan world. I would argue that America has been more prosperous, more successful than any other nation because we've done more in reading and applying the Bible. We chose God and we chose to live by the Bible and we've done things no other nation's ever done. When the God of the impossible lives in us, the entire political reality can shift where we walk. We're the ones that have the truth. We're the ones that stand up. It is the history for Christians to speak out and to make a difference in this nation. All right, folks, well, we're back here on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show, and I'm having the greatest time here with uh, uh, Pastor Paul Blair, the founder of Liberty Pastors Network and Liberty Tra Pastor Training Camps. Uh, folks, if you're watching today and your pastor is not 100% full-blown black robe regiment engaged, preaching about the culture and all things the Bible has to say about life, you need to clue him or her in to Liberty Pastors Training Network. Let's go ahead and put that. Yeah, we've got the website up there, libertypastors.com. All they need is $100, uh, and they can go to one of these training camps. Now, I encourage you that if you're going to send your pastor, you ought to get your friends together and take up an offering and help pay for more than just $100 of that. But what an amazing ministry. What an amazing opportunity. It's just so exciting to me to hear about this. And... Um, so, Pastor Paul, we were talking before we took this break that there's a disconnect between pastors not being willing to preach about everything the Bible has to say, uh, and yet the people in the pew want to hear about it. What's going on here? And you are beginning to address that. You want to pick up where you left off? Well, we talked about the, the statistics from, from what Barna and Barton had done in their book, U-Turn. And 90% of pastors admitted that the Bible spoke about every issue of the day. But then the same number, 90% said they weren't willing to talk about those issues because they're afraid it might hurt the success of their church. So as, as, as mentioned during the break, what's, what really jumps out at me is that of this group of conservative pastors, 10% don't even know that the Bible talks about these issues of the day. So have they not read it? And then you've Amazing. got 90% that know that the Bible actually gives counsel about issues of the day but they aren't willing to talk about it in their pulpit. So they're disobedient. They're not preaching the whole counsel of God. That's a good explanation of where we're at today. You know, we have become competitive corporations competing for a bunch of dead church members trying to fill seats. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. You know, we, right. we talked about evangelism a while ago, and then we talked about discipleship after evangelism. You know, look at some of the examples in the Bible. You know, you look at the church in Thessalonica. You know, Paul talks about the first chapter of Thessalonica. They had such a reputation that even under fierce persecution, their reputation of having been transformed from idol worshipers and to committed, devoted Christians reverberated across all of Achaia and Macedonia. Man, that's a great reputation. Well, that's an incredible testimony. You, you look at the church of Ephesus. You know, Ephesus was the center of the worship of Dionysus. So it was a major tourist trap for paganism. And you had that, that young church in Ephesus that made such a difference engaging their culture 
that it hurt business. It hurt the travel industry. It hurt the silversmiths guild. They weren't selling nearly as many silver idols as they usually sold. And they wanted to come after the Christians. Now, think about the United States of America. And even as sad as our condition is, we still have 65% of Americans at least identify as Christian. Yet, is there any evidence of Christianity in our culture? You know, we're, we're actually having a debate over how many genders there are. I mean, come on. I mean, the Bible's pretty clear on that. Uh, and, and science is pretty clear on that. And anybody that's been married is pretty clear on that. And anybody that's ever been in a locker room is pretty clear on that. <laughs> There's only two options. Uh, you know, but, but Christianity has, has lost uh, its influence in the culture. And this country that was built on Christianity, you know, you think about the influence that the pilgrims and the Puritans had. Yeah, the pilgrims landing in 1620, you had the great Puritan migration in 1630 and the few years thereafter. The New England Confederation was nothing more than a bunch of churches relocating from Europe to America. So you had a, a search of the Bible for principles of government that we now take for granted, but were in fact unique. In fact, the term election was a Bible term. The idea that once a year they would vote for their governor, the most trustworthy, godly man that could be trusted with, with overseeing and leading their community. Of course, the Bible talks about the elect. That's where the term election comes from. Then you've got Roger Williams that, that settled and created, uh, Pastor Roger Williams that, created, that, that settled uh, uh, Rhode Island. You have Pastor Thomas Hooker that founded Connecticut. I mean, if it wasn't for, quote unquote, Protestant Christianity, there wouldn't be a United States of America. As a matter of fact, Alice Baldwin, who was a, a New York University professor, wrote a book on religious pluralism in the New England colonies. Uh, and she was not a conservative. She's not one of us. But by her own studies, she said that 98% of the colonists at the time of the signing of the Declaration of Independence were Protestant Christian. The 2% was Catholic and Jew. So literally, the United States of America has been exceptional because we were built upon the truth claim of the laws of nature and nature's God, i.e. Mm -hmm. Bible. And as yeah. a consequence, we have enjoyed the most prosperous, comfortable, free existence. In the, and as I said earlier, we're the only Christians in 2,000 years that haven't been persecuted for their faith. And it was because of the foundation upon which we built. And that's, that's one of the reasons we're doing what we're doing, trying to awaken the church to consider thinking biblically about these two important realms. Quite frankly, they're all important, but we, we start with, with civil government and economics. Well, and and Paul, you're you're trying to restore to pastors the um, a proper understanding of what their mission is, what their calling is, so that it's not just um, having an altar call every Sunday, but it's actually equipping. Ephesians four, you quoted it earlier. Um, it says that that uh, these are given, these gifts from the Lord Jesus are given, apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, yep. are given yep. for, the, um, uh, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So these are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yep. And most Christians think it's the pastor's job to do the work of the ministry. And so we think the pastor ought to be the one winning the lost and making the disciples, when in reality, he's just supposed to equip us to go out into the world yep 
into the seven mountains of influence and to be salt and light. But if the pastor is sitting back thinking, well, my job is to make people churched, right? The, the seeker-friendly movement. I got to put uh, behinds in the chair so they can pay the tithe and pave my parking lot. Then he, he's going to be scared to preach the whole counsel of God for fear of approve, uh, people disapproving. And that's what we got to get undone in the yeah. mindset of the pastors today. Don't you agree with that? Absolutely. And Richard, you, you touched on something there. You know, and we talked about it earlier. Some of these pastors are afraid that they're going to lose members if they engage in controversial subjects. First of all, when has the church not been controversial? I mean, just read through the book of Acts. Everywhere the apostle Paul went, he wound up starting a riot or getting thrown in jail or run out of town. You know, Jesus himself is still the most controversial historic figure that ever walked the planet. So, I mean, if we aren't controversial, uh, then we then we aren't doing our job uh, very very well because we should be engaging the lost world with with biblical truth, seeing people come to Christ and then discipling them. And I've heard pastors use the excuse, "Well, I just preach the gospel," and I assume that they're referencing the Apostle Paul when he gives a, a summary of the gospel in First Corinthians fifteen. But look at all the epistles that, that Paul wrote, and look at all the subject matter that Paul dealt with. So it wasn't just coming to Christ as Savior, but he also was dealing with how now shall you live as a Christian. You know, Paul mm -hmm. talked about civil government. Paul talked about circumcision. And aren't you glad we aren't still having that debate in this age? You know, Paul talked about marriage. Paul talked about proper sexuality. Paul talked about sexual perversion. Uh, Paul talked about church discipline. Paul talked about a laundry list of things. Paul was a comprehensive disciple maker. It begins with coming to faith in Christ. What does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world but lose his own soul? But we don't stop there after you've been born. After you've been born again, then we are to be making disciples, as you referenced. We both quoted Ephesians 4.11 multiple times today, and I would encourage every pastor to go there and reread it for themselves. Amen. Well, uh, Paul, we've got a couple callers on the line here. Let's okay. uh, let's go to uh, Lex, who's a Truth and Liberty subscriber. Uh, Lex from Texas. Thanks for calling in, Lex. What's your question for Pastor Paul today? Oh, thank you for having me on. I was wondering, since y'all have uh, pastors who you want going out and doing everything, usually pastors from what I've seen, I've been to good churches where the pastors just run around doing everything. What do you suggest, or does your organization do anything to help out pastors so that they don't get burnout? It's a great question. And let me tell you what, as a pastor, I can tell you, we all run on knife's edge. And if not for the renewing of the Lord day by day, and quite frankly, most of us are workaholics me being guilty of that, we've got to take our Sabbaths every now and then. We need to take some time away and recharge our batteries. But, um, you know, one of the things we tell pastors to do when they go home to their congregations is we give them a notebook full of all of this information. It's great sermon material. They can preach our sermon verbatim or develop their own. And then we encourage them to, at the same time, as they're starting to address subjects that they have not addressed in their churches before, at the same time as they're addressing that from the pulpit, encourage their people to start a weekly biblical citizenship training. 
course, David Barton and Rick Green work together. They've got a daily radio broadcast. Rick Green has a has an organization called Patriot Academy. And within that, they have a CD series called Biblical Citizenship Training. You'll find your people are starved for this kind of education. What does the Lord say about proper civil government? Why, why did America turn out the way we, we turned out? Then we encourage them, after they complete that biblical citizenship eight-week course, they'll have a group, maybe 150, maybe 200, maybe 500, that will have gone through that. Stand up a, a monthly salt and light ministry, and that is a perpetual area of ministry for your church. And Dran Reese, a good friend of ours out of San Diego, they actually will train your leaders in how to lead a salt and light ministry. And that will be a right hand to the pastor, assisting him, helping keep him uh, up to date on what's going on in their community and in their state. And then also help with like voter registration and other things that, that they might be a natural to. So, and, and then we also encourage every pastor that goes through our training we all have buildings, and we all are stewards of a certain amount of property that the Lord has entrusted to us in this lifetime. Most churches will sit vacant for at least five days a week, if not six. We all have been well aware of what our children are being exposed to now in public education. I was a product of public schools, but when I went to schools in 1960 and 1970, we still were very solidly biblically based. My teachers were Christian. Uh, it was, it was, you were taught reading, writing, arithmetic. Now we've seen the kind of indoctrination that's out there through the NEA. So every one of us should ha have a building, whether we have a hundred seat auditorium or a 10,000 seat auditorium, we can help facilitate homeschool co-ops or start private Christian education. Amen. Now here's a, a long, giving you all that to say this, with all these areas of ministry, our church has increased dramatically over the last three years. And we've had some remarkable testimonies from pastors that have completed our training. The very first camp we did after COVID was in Grapevine, Texas. And we were addressing issues on our radio program and via live stream. We were talking about Black Lives Matter. We were talking about whether Karl Marx, we're talking about Marx man, a communist versus God's man and comparing the two. Uh, we were talking about uh, uh, COVID. We were talking about the Great Reset and all that we were seeing going on and coming at it from a purely chapter and verse biblical perspective, how to address what we're seeing in our culture. We had people contact us from Texas saying, if we provided the money, can you do one of these in Texas before the 2020 election? And, and we did. We actually did a, a remarkable camp down there in the midst of COVID. We didn't know if anybody was going to show up or not. Amazingly, we had 175 pastors with their wives show up for this three-day camp in Grapevine. And masks were optional. And let me just give you a secret. Nobody wore them. And none of us died of COVID or got sick. But we had uh, one of these pastors was a, a man by the name of Andy Comer. He pastors uh, 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 what's called Georgetown Church in, in Antioch, Texas. It was a church plant, and he had gotten discouraged. I mean, small church, running less than 100, and then you had COVID. He was about to, to quit. He came to our Liberty Pastors Boot Camp, got so excited, went back and started addressing issues of the day from a biblical perspective, which is what Paul did and Peter did and James did. 
And his church literally exploded sevenfold. They went from running less than 100 to running over 700 in the course of a year because people, Christians out there, are starving for leadership. Mm-hmm. Pastor, what's going on? Pastor, what should we do? Pastor, should I should I take the vaccine? Pastor, will you sign a medical exemption or, or a religious exemption for me? You know, Pastor, what's going on economically? What about this 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 global currency? What about this this digital registration? Pastor, where do we go? And most pastors either were ignoring it or had shut the doors of their churches, and the few that were talking about Black Lives Matter and the like were wrong. They were full-blown woke. So what we have found is the community, the body of Christ is hungry for bold, truthful leadership. And we are living in some interesting times. And we need some God. If we had a thousand pastors that feared nothing but God and would charge hell with water pistols, we would we would have a great awakening across our country. In fact, probably need less than that. But 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 God is fully able. And he always shows up and does his best work when the hour seems darkest and most hopeless. But we have got pastors across the country from Illinois to San Diego to Florida. We had a pastor in Lake Wells, Florida, that came back from our, he attended our camp in Arkansas. And by the way, if you're listening, you don't have to wait till the camp comes to you. We had pastors from California come to Tulsa. We had pastors from from Florida come to Arkansas. I have a pastor in South Oklahoma City that didn't come to the camp in Oklahoma, but went to the camp we held in Orlando. I don't know how to explain that, but anyway, whatever. But this pastor named Jack Hillegoss, in fact, I, I challenge your your audience to, to look up Jack Hillegoss at, uh, in, in Lake Wells, Florida. He pastors, um, oh, good grief, High Point Church, pastors High Point Church in Lake Wells. Jack ran for mayor and won. And his very first official act as the mayor of Lake Wells, which is a, a, a hoi polloi, it's a, it's a ritzy neighborhood in Florida, was instead of, of celebrating LGBT Pride Month, he stood with Ron DeSantis and celebrated Strong Families and Fatherhood Month. Amen. And his city has been on a completely different trajectory they now have Christians dominating their school board. Christians are dominating their city council. Literally is transforming the central part of Florida, all from one pastor that came to a camp in Little Rock, Arkansas, and went home freed from thinking that he couldn't talk about certain subjects or he wouldn't be spiritual if he did. And literally transforming, we're seeing transformation across the state of Florida. We, we have stories like this all across the country. So it's wow. amazing what God can do with a remnant. Yeah. And so uh, the caller was asking about burnout. And it sounds like that this program will actually relight a fire inside of pastors as they discover that if they start talking about the, the things that Jesus cares about, then uh, people will start responding and their ministry will get new life. That's pretty awesome, Paul. Well, we've got another caller on the line here with about 11 minutes left in our program, Char from Wisconsin has a question. Char, thanks for calling in today. 
What's your oh, question? Thanks for, for taking Dr. my Cole? call. Yeah, I'll make it quick. Um, there's a group out there, a group of people who want to change their status as um, United States citizens uh, to free Americans. Um, the group is called American um, State Nationals. Are you familiar with this? And um, this doesn't sound really quite kosher to me. So I'd like you to address it if you're familiar with him. Okay. I have Thank heard you, of it. And I am somewhat familiar, but I am not familiar enough to comment about it. So I'll, I'll just reserve judgment. I, I, I really, I don't want to speak about something if I don't know what I'm talking about. And, and I'm familiar with the group that you're talking about. I don't know if there's any legitimacy there or not. To be honest with you, one of the things we talk about is the, the Constitution and how it was modeled, quite frankly, after the Republic of Israel. You know, the first 400 years of Israel's existence they weren't a monarchy. They had a constitution, the, the law, and they were to choose out from among them capable men that feared God, loved truth, and hated covetousness, and they were to judge righteously over tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. That, that, that is the birth of the Republican form of government. They were basically 12 states operating on one rule of law. That, that's what we were at our outset. And we weren't supposed to be ruled by an imperial president or, quite frankly, an imperial Supreme Court. You know, we were a republic. We were a, a union of states. And quite frankly, 325 million people aren't going to agree about anything. Uh, and we're seeing right now people voting with their feet and leaving California and leaving New York and moving to free states like Florida and Texas. Quite frankly, that's how we're supposed to be. What goes on within the states should should reflect the, the nature of those people. So more conservative states will be more conservative. More liberal states will be more liberal. We work together for our common defense and for our general welfare. But the first 36 years of our existence under the U.S. Constitution, we had five different presidents. They were called the founding era presidents. You had, you had Washington, Adams, what, uh, Jefferson, um, uh, Monroe and, um, and oh, Madison. good grief. He was probably Madison. Madison. Thank you so much. I just went, which went blank right there. You know, Richard, great. those 36 years, those five presidents issued a total of 15 executive orders and only 10 vetoes in 36 years because they didn't, wow. they didn't think that they were supposed to be Kings over everybody. You know, 15 executive orders is just a good day in the white house under Joe Biden. So if we realize and if we remember what we act, what the actual rule of law is, and it's not the bureaucratic bureaucratic state that we have right now, which legislates how much water we can have in our in our toilet tanks and whether we can use gas or electric to cook our dinner, they have no authority in the Constitution to do any of that. Hopefully, we'll have enough governors like Ron DeSantis that will stand up and help lead their citizens to, to rein in the proper role of government in Washington, D.C. But as, as far as what you asked about the citizens, uh, uh, I, I'm familiar of it, but I, I, I don't know enough about it to comment intelligently. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you, Char, for your question. I'm not familiar with it. So what I have to say is just based on what you said, Char, and I, I'm not sure why someone would want to do that, renounce American citizenship in favor of what, no citizenship? 
Um, uh, citizenship brings privileges in this nation. Not, uh, you don't really get out of any obligations. You're going to have those even if you're not a citizen. You're still going to have to pay taxes and obey the traffic laws and everything else. So I'm not sure I understand the thought process on that one. But uh, Unless your last one... name is Biden, then you don't have to pay taxes. Any... I'm sorry, Richard. Who said that? <laughs> I can... Yeah, we, we've got interference on that. No. <laughs> no, that's really good. Well, we've got about seven minutes left here, Paul. I want to remind people uh, about your website. Uh, and if we can put that up one more time and uh, people, you can send your pastor to uh, Liberty Pastors uh, training camp and revolutionize his or her life and their ministry and hopefully your church. I agree 100 percent with what Paul's saying about citizenship, biblical citizenship course by Rick Green. Get that going in your church and the Salt and Light Council. We had Dran on the show a few weeks back, and uh, uh, I think it would that's a great one, two, three combination. You'll knock the devil out. You'll take over your local community for Christ. It'll be awesome. And the good thing about biblical citizenship and the Light, Salt and Light Council is you're taking that off your pastor's plate. Yep. You know, when tell me what you think, Paul. You're a full-time pastor. You know You've got no shortage of things coming at you and more than a full-time job. But if people go to their pastor and say, Pastor, you need to do this and you need to do that, your response is probably going to be, okay, okay, I'll think about it. But if they're saying, Pastor, can I please do this for you? You're much more likely to get a warm reception. What do you think? Absolutely. When somebody comes to me with an, another idea for another ministry we need, uh, and they come with a solution, you know, Pastor, this is an area I think I would like to see us address in our church. Here's why biblically. By the way, I would be happy to take the lead on that, or me and sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so would be happy to take the lead on that. Boy, that makes it a whole lot easier for me to say yes. But if you're just coming to dump something else on my already busy plate, uh, it, it, it's just, I mean, even for pastors that, that are not just hirelings, there's only so many hours in the day. So uh, I agree wholeheartedly, Richard. That is that is wise advice. Bring a solution. Don't just bring a problem. You know, um, we're, we're down to the end now. We've got time to squeeze in another question if you guys are out there waiting. And uh, but let me just ask this, uh, Paul, when when I uh, when the Lord found me and I got turned on to God, I, you know, I didn't know where to go to church. And I asked a buddy of mine and he said, well, I heard that church down there, down the road. They 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 believe in everything the Bible has. As I'm like, I'm like, OK, let's go. Well, it was kind of an old timey holiness church. And they used to say things, which I didn't know any better back then, but it was like, don't you be going to movies and don't you get involved in politics and don't you go get any of that fancy learning at college and all this sort of thing. There was sort of a mindset that, oh, that stuff's sinful and you got to stay out of sin. It might get you dirty and we might get on you. But don't you agree a new covenant mindset? We don't, we are, we're called to be light in the midst of darkness. We take the love of God into the hate-filled, you know, arenas of the world and shine the light. Do we need to be afraid of these arenas of, of human activity, or are we supposed to go into them? We need to engage the culture in hopes of transforming it. You know, and and, and as you said, the old timies, of course, America was still pretty good back in the day. I mean, well, to some yeah. degree, we've always had our blemishes. Don't, don't get me wrong. America has never been without sin. We we are certainly far from having a perfect history. But, you know, when you look back in the 1960s, 1970s, it's like I want to keep the world away from my children. 
Well, I understand that protective instinct, but quite frankly, we're part of the army of God. We need to be engaging the culture with the truth of Jesus. We want to see lost people come to faith in Christ, and and we want to see we want to try to be we want to take that salt and light into the culture, and uh, hopefully fight against that decay that uh, we see so prevalent around us. So I agree wholeheartedly with you, Richard. Okay, well, one one more question I got for you. I think I, I went through your website probably a little fast, but I saw something on there called Five Action Solutions. Do you want to take a minute and tell folks what those are? And, and also, what other resources do you have available that people can uh, take advantage of? Well, I would invite someone to go to our website because it, it's pretty exhaustive. And a couple of things. You mentioned churches a moment ago, and I thought you were going to go in a different direction than you did. But every time I go speak somewhere, I'll have someone come up and say, uh, Brother Paul, where is there a church like yours in our area? And mm -hmm. for, for years, I said, you can't tell you. Uh, now, and, and I, I don't know to what extent all of these pastors have gone since they've graduated our camp. But if you go to our website, we have a map of our Liberty Pastor graduates. So you can go and find, based on where you are, you can find pastors across the country. Again, there's about 1,400 that have at least completed our training and signed up saying, we are with you. We are going to stand shoulder to shoulder with you, and we're going to engage the culture as we go forward. I haven't gone back to check and see if, if all these guys have kept their word or if they've wilted over time. However, that's at least a starting spot. And then, as, as I said, we give pastors simple next steps to implement in their churches. And, and again, those steps are, first of all, we want a pastor to go home and talk with their deacons or elders about their bylaws. Matt Staver is a great resource. Matt's a dear friend of ours. Mm -hmm. Of course, we have worked with ADF. I was one of the original pastors that worked with ADF back in 2008 to challenge the Johnson Amendment. Uh, and we sent our messages into the IRS and tried to dare them to take us to court. Um, so we got good friends with ADF, good friends with Kelly Shackler and First Liberty. But make sure your bylaws protect your church and your church's resources from a LGBT or now trans lawsuit, because that's that's part of what's coming. If they can't power us, they will try to destroy us financially. So check your bylaws. Second thing, uh, make sure you preach through our notebooks from your pulpit. Make sure you do a biblical citizenship training, stand up a salt and light ministry, and then make sure we use our facilities for our own schools. And quite frankly, the homeschool co-ops have been a great resource to promote the church in the community. We have a lot of people that weren't members of our church originally that because of their kids coming to a co-op there and they're being so fond about what we're doing, finding out about us, it will actually help. It's a church growth strategy, although that's not the primary purpose. So that's what we recommend. Check your bylaws. Go through, preach for this stuff. Twenty-four-seven Christian disciple makers. You know, All right. citizenship training, salt and light, and uh, homeschool. Homeschool co-op. Well, that is awesome. Awesome. There you go. A simple roadmap. Roadmap to transform your community to make your church into a lighthouse. Paul, thanks for being on the show today. I'm out of time, guys. We'll see you again next time on Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. 
Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty 